thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. I'm Andrea. And it's lovely to have you joining us today. This is uh, our first recording for the new year of 2018. So it's kind of exciting to be back on uh, online here together and we're having a chat and it was uh, a nice, we actually had to catch up yesterday just to kind of brainstorm and brief for the, the coming months ahead, just so we know what we're going to do for you guys listening and uh, how we can help as many ladies as possible achieve their health goals this year without any fads or any, you know, uh, fancy, catchy, trending things that we can do. I think, you know, we've always had the philosophy of real health information for real women um, and that holistic wisdom that you deserve to learn because we're doing the research for you to be able to, I guess, cut through all the crap that's out there and hopefully make every year a, a year that you're stepping forward in your life and in your health and, uh, and in all the goals and dreams that you have. So we know crappy years happen. So if that was one of those years for you last year in 2017, close the door on that one. Um, don't forget to be grateful for all the things that did go well for you. But uh, it is a new year. We get to start afresh and it's a great time just to reset and look at uh, what we can do and which direction we're going. Yeah, and Ash, Happy New Year and Happy New Year to our incredible audience. Um, I am super duper excited about this year um, now that we're kind of a couple of weeks into January and I think the dust has settled on all the craziness of the end of last year. So, so much has happened since we spoke to you last. Um, I am officially a married woman. Uh, It was a beautiful wedding. Oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. And I think a lot of you ladies have already seen the photos online. But if you haven't, go backwards, go find the ones that uh, (laughs) are at the middle of December because that's when we started to, you know, give you little snips and insights into the gorgeous wedding that Dr. Andrea had. It was amazing, just beautiful. And I've got the professional ones back now. So if you're not sick of wedding spam, I'll I'll throw a couple of other ones up there. Um, It really was um, just not to, you know, go on about it too much, but it really was just such a beautiful, blissful day. Um, It was so relaxed, so chilled, but I still had so much fun. And the thing that really sticks out to me is just that we were just surrounded by people who just loved us so much. And my tribe of women that were there and the support that they gave me on the day is like every time I think about it, I just get overwhelmed. Um, It was just so beautiful. So um, I'm very, very grateful. So Ash, thank you so much. Um, It was was just such a blessing to be there. I think that's, um, you know, the new world. We all have choices to make and sometimes it's the really big weddings with an extended family, extended friends and other times it's those intimate weddings where we close down our tribe and sort of have edges to it. We say, okay, look, this is the circle I'm, I'm keeping close to me right now. And um, just like you did, create that intimacy because it was really just your very, very, very closest and, and dearest, which is um, such an amazing thing to do because we're in a world today where we have so much pressure to to please everybody and to keep that expa- expanded circle as wide as possible because we don't want to leave out auntie this or, you know, cousin that or, <laughs> or the friend from the friend that uh, I met at the party, you know, two years ago. Like it's there's a lot of pressure to please a lot of people and uh, you did an amazing job of being able to just decide what it is you guys want and um, holding true to that, uh, knowing that at some point you probably will offend someone here or there, but you have to be true to yourself. So, yeah, credit to you. It's, It's a hard thing to do. Oh, thank you. And I think there was a couple of things that happened that day that really made it um, sort of as 
like calm and peaceful is what it was. Like, so we started the morning and I did like a pretty beautiful meditation and which made me even more grateful for everything that was sort of happening there. Um, I got adjusted by my beautiful friend Tara, who was there with me, which sort of helped to, you know, make sure that I was in the right headspace as well. And, um, we had a beautiful organic breakfast with the girls and yeah, it was, it was amazing. Not that it wasn't without its, you know, there were of course a couple of little dramas. My dad turned up late, which made it a little bit tricky because he was supposed to walk me down the aisle. <laughs> so I was actually ready on time. Uh, so that's what held things up. Um, and then uh, Tiaki, our little fur baby, tore his left cruciate ligament the day after the wedding. So that brought us back to reality really quickly. So we cut our holiday short, came home. He had surgery again. Um, and next time we're not taking the dog on holidays with us, we've decided. <laughs> Uh, you were like, there's not a next time to getting married, thankfully. So, uh, yeah, the beautiful exactly. thing is you can hold, uh, hold to that plan. So I think that's, I mean, that's pretty much where we've all been in the last, you know, month or so. It's, uh, been an incredible whirlwind. I'm sure for you ladies as well. The end of the year is usually manic for most people. It's either closing out a work year, trying to get everything done by deadlines. And it's pretty stressful for a lot of the women I've spoken to. Um, or it's just simply can't wait to get on holidays. But in the contrast of that is you've got so much to do before you go on holidays. It's super, super stressful. Takes you a week to get into your holidays because you've got to unwind from all of the stuff that was going on. Yeah. And most people, you know, if they got a week or two at that point in time, um, by the time you finish your first week of holidays, you're already thinking forward going, oh, God, I'm back to work next week. And, and it's a really interesting time of year where people often don't feel recharged and refreshed. And I fall into that category, certainly, um, because we went international with uh, our, I'd say, holiday but it was more of a family catch up uh, with our international family over in the Netherlands so it was anything but a holiday in terms of my physical recovery um, mental recovery somewhat but I think, you know, it's a great time to talk about some of the things that go on. And we want to address a listener question today. And I thought, well, there's a lot of listener questions out there. But every now and then we've actually got to turn to each other and say, hey, help, help. What can you do for me? And, and what advice would you give me? And I put my hand up today and I'm like, can I please be the listener question? And, and Andrew's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so this came about yesterday. Um, Ash and I were having our first catch up of the new year um, because we haven't seen each other yet. And she just dived into some physical stuff that's been happening with her and some challenges she's having at home. And I almost wanted to hit the pause button on that conversation because I'm like, we need to be recording this because everything was that was coming up, I know is also so relevant to our listeners as well. When things are completely manic and chaotic and your body falls apart, what do you do to kind of bring it back? So, Ash, I want to um, almost like step back into yesterday when we were sitting down there having lunch and you were kind of telling me the stuff that's been going on. So, um, yeah, let's riff on that. Unpack what's been happening. So I guess my question would be is when you have a, a something in your life, in this case for me it's a baby, that is interfering with your ability to get sleep, how do you survive sleep deprivation when it's starting to, you know, we're talking about months into it now and starting to now – sort of manifest into the mental and physical um, effects of sleep deprivation. You know that there's, there's a problem with that and you just don't know how to dig out of it because the idea would be, oh, just, you know, just have a rest, just get more sleep. And it's like, but what if you can't? You know, there's times in life where you actually not always can get that rest and sleep that you desperately need. And also from the fact that once you start to establish poor sleep patterns and poor sleep habits, um, how do you get out of those poor patterns? Because 
I had a few nights where Oliver actually slept through really well, but I was waking up every hour like with almost bursts of adrenaline feeling like I couldn't sleep. And I thought this is not just because he's, you know, sleeping through now. It's because I've just spent three months with him doing the same pattern and I've got a new pattern and I don't know how to break it. Okay, so you're not talking about necessarily insomnia because these are two different things. It is sleep deprivation because you're having that constant interrupted sleep, but then once it becomes that sort of habitual thing, then it kind of goes into that insomnia kind of category a little bit. Um, Ash, can you give us a bit of an example of what what has been the last couple of months? What are your nights normally like? Okay, so getting to bed, I because I know that I need more sleep, and I think a lot of you know mums and and women will do this is you get to bed as early as you can. So if you're typically someone who goes to bed nine thirty, ten o'clock, you think, oh, I better save myself an extra hour here, and I'm getting to bed sort of eight thirty, nine o'clock to make sure that I'm getting as much sleep as I possibly can um, in the best time of the night, which is the early sort of hours, the first five hours of Oliver's sleep is when he sleeps through. Um, but then, you know, hit 11 o'clock midnight and it's sort of up every other hour and it's just really painful. You can't wait for the morning to come thinking, oh, I've survived another day. Um, yeah, and then give thanks in the morning that everyone's healthy and well and, and move on. But there's only so long you can do that for before it starts to take an effect. Because if you're getting up every other hour, then you're not getting that restorative sleep. You're not going into the REM cycle mm-hmm. at all. Um, oh, Ash, I really feel for you. Even having one night's sleep like that <laughs> is detrimental to your health and your well-being, but let alone having it go on for months and months and months is, yeah, can be pretty disastrous for your whole system. So I am really, really sympathetic, and I know that any of the mums listening will totally feel your pain. Um, Ash, I think it's it's funny because we know all the right things, don't we? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, logically, theoretically, we know, okay, these are all the signs to look for. If we're not, let's look at what the cause is. It's a, a, you know, a bub that's not sleeping. It's a restless baby. Um, So let's address all the things that could potentially cause that to happen. And I know that you've got all of those bases covered. Um, Bub's breastfed, super happy, well rested during the day. Um, You know, we know that there's nothing that's causing him to be irritated or really wound up. Um, You're feeding him beautiful organic food. So there's nothing that's going to be necessarily stimulating him from, say, a toxin or, um, you know, kind of stimulant perspective. You're not having coffee. You're not having chocolate. You're not, well, (laughs) within moderation, you're not having any of those stimulants that's going to be winding him up as well. So any of those kind of external factors you've got covered. So now it's almost a behavioral type pattern that's happening where he's really unrested at night. And this is where, and this is what, you know, we'd definitely be saying to any patients as well. This is where you need to pull out all the stops. So any kind of resources that you can access that can give you tips and tricks or that can come in and help you to address whatever those behaviors are um, would be really beneficial. So like your sleep consultants, which you're already doing. Um, So again, we know that we have those bases covered. So hopefully you will get to that point where it will start to change. But then what do we do in the meantime to look after your body so that you don't completely fall to pieces because you still have to be a functioning human being. Well, yeah, it's it'd be really nice to, to do that. And I think the interesting thing is that, um, and I, I know that I'm not alone here, that a lot of women know how to run on adrenaline when they need to. Let's just say you, mm-hmm. you've got to get to work. You, you know, you need to be in high performance mode for work. Interestingly, you can pull out enough adrenaline, enough of that sympathetic drive to make sharp decisions and be sharp for that period of time. But there's a debt to pay on the other side of that. And that's another, mm-hmm. you know, compounding factor. And you only have to go online and start to go, you know, sleep 
sleep help and you start to see, you know, what to do when you're sleep deprived. And interestingly, there's also a lot of things about like the list of what not to do when you're sleep deprived. And I just wanted to have a little chat about these because I know that I've been asked these questions and I've generally been like, look, take a nap when you need one. But if you go and, and sort of you found information about this, there's often advice against doing that. As you know, say, what about taking a nap? They say, no, no, don't do that because it's tempting, but it ultimately lowers your sleep drive. And I actually disagree with that in states where yeah. you can't alter um, the external external reason why you can't achieve sleep. Um, mm-hmm. Because I find it fascinating that you know so many people don't, don't take a nap; it'll it'll affect you. Just get super overtired and then you'll sleep. Um, but we know that's that's not necessarily true, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes the opposite can be true as well. If you've ever heard people talk about, oh, it's just overtired, um, which can be, you know, the beautiful representation of that is, you know, when we're, we see babies that are really, really overtired and really irritable, it's sort of same sort of principle. Mm. Um, and this is also a time when you kind of throw out the rule book as well. And I know that a lot of mothers would probably be really frustrated from everyone bombarding them with all the advice about, oh, you know, just don't give him a dummy or um, make sure the room's really dark or do control crying or whatever it might be. And there's a whole host of things that I'm sure that everybody wants to give you their two cents worth that worked for them. But because the babies are so individual and your, you know, your system is so individual as well, you can throw out the rule book and not feel guilty about that. And whatever is going to work for you is absolutely okay. If you can nap during the day, that is fine. You don't, you can get back that really good circadian rhythm later on. We can readdress that later on. What we're looking at now is short-term function and health, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, because sleep deprivation has that flow-on effect, doesn't it, to our hormonal system, and you can start to feel when other things are starting to take uh, take effect. And that's, I think, one of the the concerns I had was knowing full well of you know what we talk about all the time and what I know is that we don't. I don't want to fall into that cycle of, I guess, a chronic fatigued state, which then causes issues in regards to the hormonal cascades that can lead us down that nasty slippery slide of anything towards those autoimmune disorders, because that's really mm-hmm. where these sorts of things start. And you say, how is it two years after, you know, having your first child, you can be in a, a full-blown state of autoimmune dysfunction? Well, uh, being in the, the cycle I'm in right now, I can actually see that slippery slide and I can see why and how we get there. And unless we address those issues uh sooner than later, it's not too hard to go that direction. So I really empathise with a lot of other mummies I've, I've chatted to over all these years of practice is that you suddenly now, once you're in it and you're feeling it and you're experiencing it, you go, ah, so this is how it gets to that point. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's so interesting. Like it sounds so simple to dish out advice and then you sort of live it and you go, oh, yeah, that's good. So, you know, as we always say, thank the universe for the lessons we receive. Um, this is one of those for me. I'm very certain of that. And Ash, I'm always astounded by your incredible attitude as well. I would be probably throwing hissy fritz if I was this sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> but you have got an incredible attitude. And, you know, one thing that you said to me yesterday was, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that I've got a really happy, healthy baby. Um, maybe not so happy during the nighttime, but, you know, there are worse things. And, and you're keeping that into perspective, which is incredible. However, that doesn't, you know, doesn't fix the problem right now. But I also think that that attitude is probably part of your saving grace as well. And what you were saying about um, women falling into that kind of autoimmune and like very serious hormonal dysfunction after 
a long period of this. You can, from a biochemical perspective, you can see exactly why it happens, right? So when you're really sleep deprived for such a long time, we've got cortisol that's kicked out and you're flatlined in terms of your adrenal function because of the sleep deprivation that's interfering with your leptin receptors, which means that you're constantly going to be needing that uh, almost like carbohydrate, um, sugary type fix because your body is, and your brain is essentially starving and you're not getting that, that good kind of um, satiation when you eat as well so the energy and that buzz that you get that you're going to be trying to get is going to be from everything that you're eating it's not going to be coming from you know your own internal like little atp pockets within your cells because those have checked out you don't have those anymore and i always say that your thyroid gland is a slave to your adrenals so you can see why women after particularly after they have that second bulb and so there's been maybe the sleep depth probation and all sorts of things that have been going on for maybe two years and then they add another baby into that mix and then we see that really sharp thyroid decline when they present with things like hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's um, and things along that spectrum and it is just a flow and effect of you know those constant stresses on your body without that good recovery. Yeah, so let's give everyone some tips and tricks then. I think, and I'll take on board these too, I'm sure, just recheck the things that I'm doing. Let's give us um, a quick short list of the do's and don'ts. When you're in a state of sleep deprivation, what are some of the things that we definitely don't want to be doing? And then we'll talk about some of the things that we definitely do want to be doing to give us every chance to, like we talked about, gain that restorative uh, effect on the body through sleep. The definite don'ts, and I, I know this and I've absolutely not uh, done it because I'm more scared of it than anything else, is getting into the caffeine cycle. And that's one thing I just am yeah. so aware of is just because I'm tired, do not hit the caffeine for this uh, pick-me-up effect because I know it's going to burn me out completely. So um, why don't we have – like amazing. why should we stay away from yeah. caffeine? What's What's the reason behind that? You're absolutely amazing that you haven't gone down that route yet as well. So I'm so, so proud of you that you're not relying on coffee. Uh, just think about every time that you have um, caffeine, it's a stimulant. It gives your adrenals, think of it like giving your adrenals a good punch, like get to work. And then you're getting that spike in cortisol and adrenaline. Um, and then, But then the reflexive motion of that as well as you're getting that sharp decline. So it depends on the time of the day that you're having it, which is really important. But also you've got to think that whatever you're having is also – then passed on to bub because you're still breastfeeding. So Ash, if you're having coffee, you're absolutely giving stimulants to bub. And because of their tiny little body as well, the flow and effect to them is so much more exaggerated than what the effects that you might feel. And I know it's a really hard thing telling mums not to rely on coffee and caffeine, um, but it's for a good reason. So if you've got an irritable bub, this is one thing that you really need to look at. So that's one um, of the don'ts. So, so don't reach for the quick fixes, I think, is the as uh, the summary of that, such as the sugar, the caffeine, things that are quick pick-me-ups because as tempting as they may be, um, they're actually doing more damage than good in the short and long term. Yeah, and that, that's sort of true for any kind of stimulants. So that's um, coffee, tea, depending on the person, depending on whether or not they can um, sort of tolerate that and then seeing if that is actually affecting bub and you'll probably know pretty quickly. Um, chocolate, unfortunately, um, particularly the really good quality stuff and like raw cacao, for example, is a massive stimulant. Uh, so just be really, really careful of those sorts of things. Um, so you want to stay away from those. The things that are would definitely suggest upping and nourishing your body with is you're going to need to eat and I would probably suggest eating as regularly as you need to um, and really good quality good fats and protein 
because mm. your system is like so deprived right now because you don't have any of that um, energy reserves, then get that from your food, but in the forms of good fats, um, moderate level of protein and as much kind of antioxidants and nutrients as you can. For example, if that's going to come from like green smoothies or juices or something like that, um, hopefully that will feel like you're still nourishing your body, still give you a bit of an energy fix without draining you too much. Perfect. And I think another big don't is that um, don't feel guilty <laughs> that, oh, yeah, you, totally. that you feel tired, that you can't get things done. One of the big things I've had to get through is this sense of guilt that when Oliver has a nap, I think, oh, I really need some sleep now, but I really need to get other stuff done. You know, I have some bits and pieces to do. I need to get online. I've got some things, uh, work, housework, whatever it is. And the guilt is terrible. And I'm sitting there going, oh, should I have a sleep or should I just get that stuff done? And I think the one thing I've overcome in the last few weeks is I'm not guilty about that anymore. It's like, awesome. number one has to be first. You have to come first. You can't look after anyone else if you're not healthy and well. So, um, you know, ladies, don't feel guilty if you're compromising your, your list of things to do by taking a nap. And these naps can be as short as 10, 15 minutes and as long. Probably don't go too much over the 25-minute mark if possible because they're our nice little recharge. They generally call them a cat nap, which is a great little brain boost, brain recharge. It's not going to get you into that deeper sleep stage, unfortunately. But um, I know unless you can guarantee that you can get yourself a good hour and a half, sort of two sleep cycles uh, duration of sleep, you'll probably notice you'll wake up feeling quite groggy, like feeling really unrefreshed because mm. you've kind of been woken up in that that first phase deep sleep pattern and you go and the baby wakes you up or, or something happens or the alarm gets you up and it's like, oh, I was almost there, but I didn't get there. And sometimes you can actually feel worse off because you just didn't quite get that restorative sleep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I found that limiting to those 25-minute naps has been such a lifesaver. So that's one thing I definitely now don't feel guilty about. It's like, well, this is what I need, damn it. And if I have to compromise other things and the dinner's not cooked, then so be it. <laughs> uh, exactly. And Ash, you should not feel guilty about a thing. There is nothing that is happening in the world that is more important right now than you taking care of yourself. Um, and there's always going to be housework to do and there's always going to be laundry to do, but who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, um, what's another, what's another do? Such- What's another do we can do? I know definitely do reach out for support. Do tell other people something's not not working in your world in some way. Definitely do ask for help. Definitely do seek experts in these areas if you're having troubles with it because it doesn't matter who you are, how smart you think you are, and, you know, even he's sitting in my shoes being uh, uh, very knowledgeable in a lot of these things. I still know that I don't want to be the one to try and fix myself. I do ask for help, and hence the reason we're having this chat today on this recording. Um, and like a don't, but don't ever try and be your own doctor because it never works. Uh, do <laughs> definitely supplement. So using excellent quality nutrition right now would be a really, really good idea uh, because you may or may not be able to use enough of it from your food right now because your system's so depleted. Um, so I would definitely suggest start with some magnesium. Um, really, really important because that will also help hopefully calm bub a little bit as well. There's some beautiful combos of magnesiums that have got um, some calming herbs in them too. Um, obviously, you want to be checking that they're all perfectly safe for breastfeeding, which most of them are, and I would certainly recommend like a practitioner prescription only. Um, but I would be starting with an excellent quality magnesium and super dosing on that. Um you want to be looking at B vitamins as well, just because uh, your immune system is has probably checked out. 
So we want to be supporting your immune system and and those energy pathways with some vitamin B, um, which I think is a good idea. Oh, what else would I suggest for you? I definitely um, do have a herbal tea just to try and calm everything down, just like you yeah. suggested in terms of supplementation. But I definitely think the warm, calming tea with chamomile at night is uh, certainly helping me relax more, knowing that I'm going to be probably sleep deprived throughout the night. But it's just like mentally goes, okay, you got this, you know. So there's often sleep formula tea blends out there that can be very helpful. Um, definitely. Interestingly as well, there's sometimes the, the herbs that are recommended as um, essential oils for vaporizers for infants as well. So – yeah, whether or not that can be passed through the breast milk, sometimes uh, there's not enough studies to prove such, but at least I know that the herbs that I'm having uh, are safe for Bubby and also uh, often the things that are recommended to, p- to put into vaporizers for infants. So I was like, okay, there's there's a win there. We'll try the, th- try the herbal tea. And so far, at least it's nothing more than just a ritual. It's soothing and uh, yeah. it's a, a bit of a lifesaver at that time of the night. <laughs> um, look, there's definitely things that you can be taking to support your adrenals. Um, you don't want to be... Uh, like overdoing it too much because you don't want to be increasing any kind of sort of stimulant action too much that will affect bub as well. So um, that's just something to be, you know, used with caution. Um, but you've also developed an, another interesting uh, symptom that we talked about yesterday yeah. that we need to address as well. So Ash, what what else has been going on? Well, I know a lot of women uh, celebrate the fact that when they don't have their periods for a period of time, they're like, woohoo! because it's something that really bothers them. But um, to be fair, I was actually wondering how long it would take after the birth of Oliver to get my cycle back because part of me sort of always believes that it's a beautiful uh, reflection of our feminine hormonal balances. So I was like, okay, when's this going to come back? You know, knowing full well that as long as I'm breastfeeding, there's prolactin present, which can obviously suppress the uh, body's uh, cycles. But I was curious and then, of course, that curiosity turned into, you know, well, there's there's your answer when all of a sudden I've had, you know, four days of the heaviest bleeding I have ever had in my entire life, um, so much so that I'm changing multiple pads a day, uh, so much bleeding that you could dead set think it's a murder scene like <laughs> It's just like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. Um Am I concerned? Not yet, but it's that feeling of going, wow, if this goes on for too many days, that's a lot of blood loss. Like there's there's a lot going on right now. So tell me, what on earth? Like why on earth is this incredible <laughs> flooding happening? Um, the first period post-pregnancy can be quite different to what you've experienced pre-pregnancy. Um, and a lot of it is to do with, um, like you said, your prolactin, which is part of what helps with that milk production. And it inhibits um, some of your hormonal pathways, in particular estrogen and progesterone, which are those ovarian hormones that are involved with um, the building of the uterine lining and the shedding of that as well. Um, so there's kind of this um, in inhi- sort of inhibitory relationship, particularly between prolactin and progesterone as well. So when prolactin is high, typically progesterone should be lower. And this is actually what helps to bring prolactin on after birth is that sudden drop in estrogen and progesterone post having the baby is what actually kicks uh, prolactin into gear enough that will actually bring on lactation. 
Um, prolactin also inhibits dopamine and a couple of other things as well. So there's, it's a very interesting sort of cycle as to what happens when you're actually breastfeeding, which is why women typically don't have a period for, you know, a couple of months or it can be for the entire time that you're breastfeeding. And it is entirely dependent from woman to woman and the level of those hormones as well. Ash, I think that your first period is more of a symptom of what's happening in your system right now, the fact that you've been so so sleep deprived for, you know, what, at least three months, um, you know, that flow and effect, I think what we're dealing with is more of an issue of that stress cycle that's been happening, that elevated cortisol that's now kind of dropped off and is non-existent. So you're using progesterone or the little progesterone that you have to make more kind of cortisol just to kind of keep you awake in the morning. Um, and then, you've got that unopposed estrogen, which is that really heavy bleed that you're having. Was it painful or was it no. just really heavy? Yeah, just no really, really heavy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would say that that's probably more what the issue is rather than anything else. Um, excessive bleeding is anything that's sort of over about 80 mils per period. Um, so if you kind of, it, it's I don't know if that's an exact science as well. So I'd say anywhere between sort of 60 to 80 mils is quite a heavy flow. Um, but I think that yours is more just a result of um, the stress hormones playing a role in affecting your reproductive hormones at the moment. And the next few periods hopefully should change and return to what you've experienced before. Hmm. So I think that's um, that's definitely that's what I was thinking as well. I certainly know that, like you said, a lot of women don't get their periods back for some time. Um, but that's you know that's in that twenty percent category because the stats say that eighty percent of women will have their period in the first ten weeks, um, mm. and that's really interesting. So the majority of women do get their cycles back sooner than uh, sort of nine months, which is where I'm at now. However. Like it comes down to whether you're exclusively breastfeeding, which I've been doing, um, introduction of solids, you know, age, ba- weight of the baby, what your baby's demands and needs are. It's amazing how the two bodies work together. You know, your baby's needs and your body somehow sync together to, to create, uh, uh, these, I guess, support nutritionally, mentally, emotionally that that child needs. Um, I certainly haven't relied on the lack of period for the contraceptive <laughs> component. So ladies, uh, yes, be ladies, very careful be very that. careful. That's, uh, I've already had, uh, uh, you know, one of the mummies that I know that uh, had a baby after me has fallen pregnant and it's uh, like, wow. <laughs> so she she fell pregnant again, uh, seven months uh, of age of her first child. So don't get a rude shock that you're expecting the uh, notion of no period to be a clear sign that you're not able to conceive. That is not true. Um, you can ovulate without having bleed. So just let that be a little warning. I was definitely aware of that. Yeah, breastfeeding is definitely not contraception. Um, no. Gosh, the other thing that I would recommend for you in terms of supplementation, I, I think that given your state right now, you probably do some really well on some Chinese herbs mm-hmm. um, and something that's going to be almost like a bit of a uterine astringent so that just to help to um, – kind of clear out everything, making sure you're not getting any stagnant blood. So you're having that full, complete bleed as well, but it doesn't drag out. Um, so the the kind of Chinese herb combos that I like 
for that kind of picture, like that heavy bleed that's not necessarily painful but is excessively heavy would be things like um, cinnamon, safflower, tree peony, um, red sage, those sorts of combinations to help to clear that out, which can have a really lovely effect on the liver as well. Um, and for you, as long as you can take it um, with breastfeeding so you don't go overboard, but is vitamin C to help to restore the progesterone as well. And it'd be great for your adrenals without being stimulatory. Oh, love it. Well, I think I've certainly got some great tips and tricks from today. And uh, it's nice to be on the other side of the couch for once, just to be on the receiving end of some good help and advice. So thank you very much, Dr. Andrew, for your uh, consultation today. (laughs) And isn't it amazing how your period is such a representation of, I always call it, it's your report card of, you know, what's been happening. And Funnily enough, um, while we're talking about periods, when I when we flew over to Queensland for the wedding, I think it was, I don't know, four or five days before the wedding, and I had my period then, we landed in Brisbane and um, Virgin Airlines forgot Tiaki. Um, so I'm totally naming and shaming them because the way they've handled it is absolutely disastrous. So they actually forgot to put him on the plane. <gasps> so that was probably, and they lost him for 16 hours. So that was probably <gasps> the most stressful thing that I could ever imagine. Um, and as soon as we got off the plane, we got that news. It was almost instantaneous. My period stopped. Yeah, interesting. Like just from that complete overwhelming stress it just stopped completely and then it started again a few days later once all of that had come down and then yeah. stopped right before the wedding so it was kind of perfect but <laughs> um it was just really interesting i was kind of fascinated i was like oh that's really interesting because that's never happened before and then it was that sudden shock and stress period stopped stopped for a couple of days and then restarted so yeah mm. So, yes, I think that's a perfect example of that, uh, the report card that you can use just by watching your body's signs and symptoms. Ladies, we hope that this has really given you an insight into some tips and tricks, you know, when you're obviously in states of fatigue or dealing with uh, sleep deprivation for whatever reason. And also at times when, you know, your cycle is just out of kick or you're having some trouble understanding why things are happening just remember your body's not silly it's always known what it needs to do but it's obviously the external environment that is creating a stress response and that is affecting sleep fertility cycles the work so i think it's a great reminder to all of us um just why we tune in and check into our bodies and not ignore those signs and don't diminish them and don't feel guilty about any of the changes that are happening but just seek out the right advice and uh, the right support and direction yeah, I agree. And Ash, you are doing such an incredible job. Uh, so please don't feel like um, get discouraged by anything that's happening. Um, Oliver will absolutely sleep. It has to happen. <laughs> There's no other way around that. It's just when that happens. Um, so hang in there. We are totally here to support you. So let us know if you need anything at all. Um, but seriously, don't feel guilty about a thing. You getting sleep and rest is part of you know your self-love, um, which will help Ollie too. So ladies, we hope that this has been insightful for you and uh it's, it's a bit different to how we normally kick off the year. Um, usually we're talking about goals and um, intentions and all sorts of things for the year, but I think this definitely took precedent today. Um, ladies, we're ramping up to our 100th episode. Today is number 98 that we're releasing, so in two more episodes' time, we really, really want to make sure that you're tuning in for that because we've got some really amazing things that's happening. We're going to go through a bit of a rebrand, so we might sound, well, probably not sound a little bit different, but the intro might be a bit different, and we might look 
look a little bit different. Um, and we've got some really cool stuff to offer you on that, uh, that episode as well. Um, ladies, we hope you've enjoyed today. Um, please give us your feedback on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Our Instagram is the wellness women official. Um, and until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.